Wahlberg's perimeter. Oh, I'll do that again. It's uh, August 17th, 2023, 9.36 a.m. I'm Phil Alvarez, hearing examiner for the city of Kirkland. We have a, a building permit appeal, or actually a determination from the fire marshal on appeal today, BSF 22-05206. Uh, with me is uh, Mark Jung, the fire marshal for the city of Kirkland. And uh, uh, let me make sure I pronounce this correctly. Is that uh, Mr. Communal? Is that how to say your last name? That's great. Yep, okay. you got it. All right. Perfect. And you're uh, patching in from, was it the Czechoslovakia or something? Is that correct? I, I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not in person. I guess no one's in person, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm out on business in Prague. For wow. Okay. What the, time is it out there right now? Heading back tomorrow. It is very hot and humid here. Ah, okay. All right. And yeah. uh, we also have uh, Mike Tenzin, who's, uh, is that a witness of yours, Mr. Uh, Mr. Communal? Is that correct? Uh, he's our, he's our contractor. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. Well, um, let me first off talk about the uh, exhibits I've received in advance of the hearing. Mr. Communal, by state law, I'm only allowed to consider evidence that you know about. You know, I'm not allowed to talk to staff about the hearing in advance or anything like that. It's just uh, whatever's put into the record today, that's the only information I have about the case. And uh, uh, Mr. Jung has sent me basically a packet that uh, contains a bunch of exhibits. I'm trying to pull that up here. Where did I put that? Hold on a second. Oh, there it is. Okay. I'm going to share screen at this point. Okay. Can you all see that at this point? It's, it's, it's a document entitled Response to Request for Appeal of Decision by the Fire Marshal. Is that showing up? We can see it. It's quite zoomed up. We can only see about a quarter of it. Oh, that's odd. How about now? Uh, half of it. Huh, okay. Uh, well, I, I just want to identify what the documents are. Mr. Communal, did you request, did you see this or get a copy of this packet here, which essentially has a response written by uh, the fire marshal, and then it has uh, five exhibits attached to it, I believe. I don't know that I got that document, uh, hmm. but um, what did we get? We got that, the official letter we got was that PDF from uh, Chief Young. But I don't think it, it didn't have that information in it, I don't think, is that is that right, Chief Young? No. Uh, that should have been emailed to you. Um, you should have seen this in advance. Do you want to, uh, maybe Mr. Young, can you share screen? Maybe you're, it'll show up better on your screen um, as opposed to mine and kind of scroll through it. Yeah. See if I can. I am much more adept at sharing uh, on Zoom or on uh, oh, Teams. On Teams. Yeah. How's that looking? Yeah, it looks pretty good. I can see. I see Exhibit G to it. You're on you know, one of yeah. the last pages there. I was just counting. It's like one, two, three, A, F, G. Yeah. 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 Uh, Okay, so you can see response to request for appeal of decision by the fire marshal. Yeah, yeah. And then, Mr. Cromwell, you're saying you didn't receive that, or? I, uh, Mark, did you send this to me? I mean, I got the, uh, I got the other, I got the notice of appeal hearing, which had the first purpose and scope and just right. a quick summary. But I don't think I saw this full, this full document. I think this is the first I've seen the full document. Uh, should have been emailed uh, to you, uh, Mrs. Cominell and uh, Mr. Ken also. 
as people in the uh, involved in that. Hmm. Well, Mr. let's see. Well, Mr. Communal, it's it's. Uh, um, I mean, especially if you're overseas, I can understand. Maybe there's some, you know, some for you know odd reason it, it didn't patch through. I mean, if you need time to look over this document, I guess we can, uh, you know, continue for a week if that doesn't create a lot a big problem for anybody to give you time to look it over. It's it's just a two or three page document from what I call it, right, Mr. Young, and and, uh, and right. a bunch of information that Mr. Commonell probably already has after that. But yeah, I'm I'm familiar with the arguments that uh, the fire department is raising. So okay, I'm happy hey, well, to can I? Can I suggest, um, Mr. Albrecht, if I um, just email that document to Oh yeah, please come on now, and maybe you can follow along as we're. Yeah. Uh, I intend yeah. to go through it. So okay, okay. Um, Why don't you do that? And then also, if you could stop screen, and then I can summarize the uh, documents that are attached to it as well. How about that? Okay. All right, I'll send that to you, Chris, right now. No, I'm going to share screen again. Now I did have a question on that. Am I, uh, I did, I put it together a PowerPoint. Uh, am I able to share that as I kind of, kind of respond to the, the allegations that, that uh, the fire marshal is? Yeah, I think so. Is, uh, can, can he, can he be able to share? I don't see a share option on my Zoom. Yeah, sometimes for that, the city as host has to enable that uh, for you as a panelist. I was curious if they could or. Yeah, let me see if I can work on that. Okay, all right. And while you're doing that, I'm going to share my screen again. Okay, hopefully this time you can kind of see I, I put together an exhibit list. This is These are the attachments that um, 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 Mr. Young had put together. We have the, um, a letter dated August 20th, 2023, and the appeal filed by Mr. Communal, his, the receipt that he paid for that, the notice of the appeal hearing. Then we have the building code sections, operating policy, and, and the Kirkland provision. So, Mr. Communal, do you have any objections over entry of any of those documents or any problem with that being part of the record? No problem. Uh, do, should I send, should I email? my PowerPoint should that be part of the record or no um, yeah yeah once it's your turn to speak why don't why don't you go ahead or yeah actually why don't you send that now um, let's see what's what's the email address for the city he can use perhaps he can send it to mark directly okay m young at kirklandwa.gov yeah I just I just got what he sent to me so I'll just I'll respond to this uh, this email okay all right, so the, the staff report and attachments uh, A through G are admitted into the record. And um, okay, Mr. Young, let me swear in. Just raise your right hand. You swear firm to tell the truth, nothing but the truth in this proceeding? I do. Okay, great. Go ahead. Uh, this is uh, opening remarks, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I'll follow the. Uh, so just as a, a quick opening remark. Uh, the KMC 2133-050, parent A, allows for the addition of up to 500 square feet to an existing non-conforming one or two family structure where fire flow or an or will come into question in the, the argument, fire flow or fire access deficiencies exist. The appellant does not dispute that fire flow deficiency exists in this case. The appellant alleges that the fire department has incorrectly evaluated the access for the fire department. The fire, fire, fire department disagrees and will show that, as in its written statement, 
the fire access deficiency does exist. The appellant further alleges that the use of or in KMC 2133 050 current A. In the uh, exception, the appellant argues that the use of or is inclusive that would allow the 500 square foot addition exception to an existing non-conforming single family residence uh, where fire flow and access deficiencies exist, uh, that, act, that should be allowed. The fire department argues and will show that the use of or is exclusive. It is intended as exclusive in the code has been applied uh, uniformly as exclusive in practice and in policy. Finally, the appellate alleges that the fire department engaged in discrimination by not consistently applying this. Uh, the fire department vehemently denies this and would happily defend it in the proper venue. However, the question is outside the scope of this hearing. And we would ask that the hearing examiner dismiss this uh, at this time. Okay, thanks, Mr. Young. And I should have shared this earlier, but uh, for Mr. Comunel's benefit, in case you didn't see it, the um, uh, staff did send out the uh, examiner rules of procedure, and one of them is the format for the hearing. And, and uh, Mr. Young just went over the uh, the opening statements there, as you can see, is at part B of the, the hearing. You have an option to make your opening statement now, or I'll let you just do it when it's your turn to present if you want. Um, once we're done with the opening statements, then uh, Mr. Young will present his case. Um, and then, at, you know, you'll have a chance to cross-examine him, Mr. Communal, when he's done with his testimony, you can ask questions and I'll probably ask questions as well. And then uh, once Mr. Young's done, then you can make, uh, present your side of the case. And uh, you too will be subject to cross-examination by Mr. Young and I'll probably have questions as well. Um, uh, I don't think uh, other than Mr. Tennyson, we don't have any other potential witnesses today. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't. I didn't see that that we had that. So, and then a chance for rebuttal. That'll be Mr. Young after you present your evidence, Mr. Communal. Mr. Young will, or will uh, have a chance to present some rebuttal evidence, and then uh, Mr. Communal, you'll get the final right to present evidence, and then uh, the parties will have a chance to make closing arguments. So, any questions about the process as it's put together in the rules? Yeah, it's pretty pretty standard, I think. So, uh, Mr. Communal, did you want to make an opening statement, or do you want to reserve that for when it's your turn to present evidence? Um, I can just briefly, briefly state. So I think uh, Chief Young marked our first argument pretty accurately. So what we're arguing is what we're arguing is for the wording of of the term or within that exception text. Uh, it can be um, can be interpreted as either inclusive or exclusive. So ex exclusive would be something like either one or the other, but not both. Inclusive would be either one or the other or both. And uh, a public records request to the city of Kirkland for exceptions that have been granted shows evidence that it, it appears that the, or doesn't appear, the city has granted exceptions to, um, to properties and building permits that had both uh, fire access and fire flow issues. So that was our first, uh, that was our first argument. The reference to discrimination is uh, is actually in reference to that argument. We believe that the in inconsistent application of that policy is discriminatory in nature. Um, the second argument that we do have, regardless of the definition of or, is we disagree with the city's judgment or the fire department's judgment of the fire access uh, of Northeast 73rd Street. We believe it is a fire access road. 
And uh, I think that we've got some evidence here that would suggest that uh, certainly it, it, it can be interpreted as a fire access road. And uh, yeah, I think that that's, that is, that those are our main arguments. Okay, sounds good. All right, uh, Mr. Young, go ahead. Now you can present your testimony if you wish. Uh, it would be appropriate for me to share screen here. Sure. And um, I'm just going to go over. Just going to review uh, on the record my response to the appellant's allegations. Um, so to review, the KMC 2133-050-A does allow an exception for existing non-conforming one and two family dwellings uh, that have either an access deficiency, a fire department access deficiency or a fire flow deficiency. Uh, the word or is in question and, um, and whether that use of or is inclusive or exclusive, the fire department um, has the fire department has uh, sorry the fire the fire department has um, implemented that as an exclusive meaning either fire access or fire uh, well fire flow deficiency is allowed um, is allowed but not both and we'll go into that but just as a review this is really the crux of it is whether or is intended as inclusive or exclusive as it applies to 2133 050 or an a and the exception there that allows a 500 square foot uh, addition to existing on conforming one and two family dwelling um, mr commonell has applied for building permit and Fire department has evaluated that fire flow is inadequate and deficient, and that fire access is inadequate and deficient. The and the determination there requires that fire sprinklers be added throughout the entire structure, according to the requirements of 2133. Uh, and so um, so that's the consequence that's being that's being appealed here. The appellant, I think, would stipulate that fire flow is not in question. Fire flow is without question deficient. Um, so then the question becomes: Did the fire department correctly interpret the fire access, and what is the meaning of or in 2133050? So. Did the fire department correctly evaluate the fire department access? Um, in item A here, I established that policy, operating policy six is the correct controlling document um, that the Washington State Fire Code is, does not adopt the access requirements and defers that to the local jurisdictions, the city of Kirkland is allowed under the state fire code to amend it as long as it doesn't uh, 
reduce the overall performance of the code and that we have adopted in section of 503 of the Kirkland Fire Code operating policy number six as the, the, the document that determines fire access. Operating policy six is the, uh, is the controlling document there. Um, Northeast 73rd, I further define that Northeast 73rd is part of the fire department access, um, that it is a public road and that public roads are not by their nature adequate uh, fire department access without deficiency. They are subject to the same requirements of, as private roads and fire department access is not defined directly in operating policy six, but it is it is included by reference as the um, it is included by reference as part of the fire code and the fire apparatus access road definition exists in the in the fire code in chapter two is a road that provides fire apparatus access from fire station to a facility building a portion thereof that is generally that there is, this is a general term inclusive of all other terms such as fire lane, public street, private parking line, parking lot, lane, and access roadway. So I established there that Northeast 73rd is in fact part of the fire department access and should be evaluated. Uh, the access road is deficient. Northeast 73rd is actually deficient in three ways. Um, any one of which would lead to the conclusion that it is a deficiency uh, or that, it, yeah, that fire access is deficient. Um, it is a dead end road greater than 150 feet in length. It is between 20 and 24 feet wide of paved surface, but parking is allowed on both sides of that street. Um, the street serves 30 parcels and that the potential for parking to obstruct fire department access in a road that serves that many occupants uh, is, has potential to not meet the 20 foot standard and that we conclude that it is deficient on width. The turnaround is required. It is a dead end road greater than 150 feet. A turnaround is required. There is a turnaround at the end of Northeast 73rd on the, um, on the east end of, yeah, well, on the end of Northeast 73rd up here. Um, and that the physical space of the existing turnaround meets the requirements. It is approximately 76 feet in public space, but there is an additional 14 feet that is used as the, um, that is the driveway for the last home on the south side of Northeast 73rd on the east end. That is beyond the control of the city and it is beyond the control of the applicant, the appellant, um, and we cannot count on that continuing to be inadequate fire department access. Therefore, we determined that it is not adequate access or it's not an adequate turnaround, so it's not adequate access. And then finally, um, 
Northeast 73rd has a section of steep slope that exceeds the 10% policy limit. It is, there is a section prior to getting the subject property, which is circled here in blue. Uh, it's approximately 230 feet. It arises eight, or it arises 36 feet. And the math on that puts it at 15% grade in inclement, met, in inclement weather that could lead to a delay of access by growing uh, unreasonably quickly and, and imposing a greater risk to occupants and the city and the firefighters who may be required to fire to respond to a fire incident there. So on all three of those points, even though only one of them is required, all three of those points, fire department access is not, uh, is deficient. Uh, allegation number two is this concept of or in 21330050 parent A and the exception, whether it's inclusive or exclusive, the fire department has in practice through my tenure and as far as I can see back, applied this as exclusive. It is either fire flow deficiency or access deficiency, but not both. The reasoning behind that <clears throat> in policy is that existing non-conforming uh, situations exist in the community and that we are sensitive to making retroactive requirements to existing situations. In this case, an addition, a modest addition to a home was seen by policymakers as, as being a reasonable request where some additional risks to the occupants, to the city and to the firefighters who respond to emergencies in these structures um, would be acceptable because the cost is so high. The city is sensitive to that. But we want the hearing examiner to understand that the risk is one or the other. And where both exist, the, the risk becomes unacceptable. That fire flow reduces our ability to respond to a growing fire and fire department access has potential to delay our ability to efficiently and effectively respond to the, the threat of a growing fire, even in a one or two family structure. <clears throat> and that together, to exacerbate an existing non-conforming situation by adding to a structure is unacceptable and risk to the occupants. And the appellant will argue that that's, that's his decision for himself and his family. And I, and I, think that's, I think that's perfectly appropriate to argue, but my role as fire marshal is to represent the entire community, the risk of fire from spreading from home to home and the delay of our ability to, to respond to a growing fire because of fire flow or fire department access situation uh, where a fire can spread from not just the appellant's structure, but to adjacent structures. 
and my role as firefighter is to protect the working environment of firefighters who will be required to respond to that structure in the event of a fire and to give them every opportunity to control that fire in the interest of the appellant, in the interest of the community, and in the interest of their own safety. And that is why we concluded that um, one or the other, but not both. Both is an unacceptable risk. Allegation number three, I think, doesn't uh, require a lot of uh, time. We understand that there was a public records request where, where an independent review of our um, evaluation of these 2133-050 exceptions was done. We've looked at them as well, and we disagree. Uh, that one of them, we think we got the one right of, of the two. The other one, we recognize we made a mistake. We we don't like to make mistakes. We try to learn from our mistakes, but we do make mistakes. Uh, it was an error. It is not practice um, that we make every effort in this office to to evenly apply the code across every situation. These are fairly technical evaluations, and um, and my staff are expert at this. But I will not suggest that we don't ever make mistakes. We do a lot of them, um, and I also point out that that this is beyond the scope of this hearing, and um, Section 109.7 of the Fire Code indicates that this hearing is to limit whether the fire code officials decision or determination um, let me make sure I get this right this is really tiny on my screen um, specific elements of the fire code and the fire code officials decision or determination disputed by the appellant um, discrimination is just outside of that the scope of that that's fire department's contention. That concludes uh, my comments. Uh, this has been entered into the record and um, that's all I have, thank you. Okay, Mr. Commonwealth, do you have any questions of uh, Mr. Young? Um, yeah, uh, Chief Young, so you mentioned the three issues regarding fire access. Um, one of those issues was width, the street width. Um, can, you, can you tell me where in the fire code what exactly is the fire code regarding street width? Is it not 20 feet? It's uh, 20 feet of paved surface. That's correct. So in, you mentioned that policy number six. You mentioned that the property uh, has three issues, one being street width. Um, can you tell me where on that street uh, the width is less than 20 feet? I'm not aware of any lake location where it's less than 20 feet. Okay, and you mentioned- it probably is, but I'm not gonna split hairs on that. Um, it's 18, 19, 20 feet. That's, that's in, in compliance with the letter of the code. My opinion is that, that parking on one or both sides is, has potential to obstruct it um, in a 20 foot space. Two legally, two legal vehicles, eight and a half feet wide, parked one foot off of the curb. Um, would take up essentially
entire space of the road. I don't expect that people will do that, but it requires us to rely on people to, to use their good judgment not to block the road. There, is, there are no, no parking signs on that street. It is legal to park on both sides and it's to obstruct the entire road. And that leads me to believe that there is not adequate fire access. Did you just, sorry, I, I missed the part of that. Did you just say that there was no uh, fire lane on the street? There are no, there are no parking, there are no, no parking signs. There are no parking signs up at the very end where the, where the turnaround is, but yeah. there are none between your property and uh, in the beginning of Northeast 73rd at uh, 116th Avenue. That's correct. So the, the last 20% of the street actually is no parking, correct? Including the turnaround? All of that is beyond, I, I will agree to that. I haven't actually documented that, but all of that is beyond your, your parcel. No, right. but for a turnaround, right? That's a that's a pretty important point that there's no parking in the turnaround area. Is that correct? There are no parking signs up there. Yes. Okay, and then uh, so you mentioned the twenty feet, uh, and that that is one of the three issues that that restricts fire access or or says that this is not a fire access road. Where in the policy does it say that the entire street has to have twenty feet of fire lane or twenty feet of non uh, of fire lane access? Uh, I believe the code just says 20 feet of paved surface. Is that correct? Yes, uh, there are sections in the code that, in the policy, that that indicate um, that the road needs to be 20 feet wide over its entire length. Right. And I think so. You have no, there's no portion of the road that you've, that, that we have documentation of being less than 20 feet. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, regarding the turnaround, you mentioned the 76 feet uh, of public space. How many feet would you say is total uh, accessible to turn around a, a vehicle up there? I don't know. Do you, but I think, did you say, I think there is 90 feet. Do you think there's 90 feet there? Yeah, there's 90 feet there. It's just not all in in your control or the control of the city. Okay. Um, trying to think if I have any questions about the. So you didn't. I mean, I I I'm going to be bringing up the the other um, exceptions that have been granted in my analysis. So I don't know that I really have questions about Chief Young's interpretation of uh, of those properties. Okay. I just have a few questions myself then. Um, Mr. Young, you, you mentioned uh, your concern about the parking was because the road served more than 30 parcels. Where, where does the 30 uh, number come from? Is that a, an unofficial policy, the way it's been interpreted in the past? Or I, I was just kind of curious where, where that standard is located. It, you know, it is not. I'll, I'll openly say that it's not. Okay. Uh, you know, when we talk about up to policy says up to four lots can be 16 feet wide, uh, which you know suggests that less traffic, you know, requires less fire access space, um, and that we have struggled to 
to develop appropriate policy where parking is allowed on public streets um, and that parking has and does obstruct fire access and we are balancing the needs of the city and the fire department where density, and this is a relatively new issue, not new in our application, but relatively new where, where density, where we're, you know, doing cottage developments and we're doing uh, um, ADUs, attached ADUs and detached ADUs and, and then eliminating the off-street parking requirements where those vehicles have no choice except to be parked out on public street. And so we're seeing more and more vehicles parked on public street. The intention of the, <clears throat> the intention of the fire code is to have 20 feet access clear and we're sort of balancing the, the needs of the city to, to grow and respond to the housing crisis. And um, at some point we put our foot down and say, we have to have fire sprinklers. We do that mostly in new, <clears throat> in new one and two family <clears throat> dwelling. Uh, 20, a 24 foot street, again, not in policy, uh, but uh, a 24 foot street with parking allowed on one side does not meet fire access and everybody gets fire sprinklers in, in construction. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I, I will say just um, from a case law uh, perspective, you know, how the courts uh, um, uh, give deference to local jurisdictions' interpretations of their code. They do say that that no deference is due unless the interpretation is consistent with past practice. So your uh, past interpretations of of the code are actually relevant to how it should be interpreted now. If if you want the city to have any you know deference to your interpretation. So on on the third part thirty parcel issue. I, I, I mean, has this come up before where you've uh, essentially determine that even though that a road is 20 feet, it's since there's, it's serving more than 30 parcels, you know, you're, you're not going to construe it as meeting the 20 foot requirement because of the parking issue. Has that come up before? Not, not on an addition, not in the 2133 uh, 050 RNA exception. Uh -huh. It has come up and does routinely come up on new developments where 24-foot streets are constructed and parking is allowed on one side. Oh, and in those cases, you uh, you find that the, the road's not adequate and requires sprinklers. We do, and we require park sprinklers on okay. the new. I mean, how often does that come up? I mean, can you give a reference? All the time. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much every new development. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And uh, how was the... Um, the turnaround measure. I mean, did you go out with the tape measure? Did you just look on Google Maps or how did you... Yeah, I went out with the laser measure. And, oh measured it to the to the apparent property line okay okay and then on the uh the disjunctive exclusive or in inclusive issue kind of related to a couple questions ago that i had how often has that issue come up and have you consistently <clears throat> interpreted it as being exclusive where it's only one or the other not both yes it has been uniformly as a matter of policy <laughs> in our in our office as a matter of training of our new Fire and uh, fire plan reviewers. That that is our that is our policy. Either exception, not both. Uh, and while apparently we have made an error, um, it is not our intention to make an error. And that that um, 
I was trained by a fire marshal who was here a long time. Uh, she trained our current uh, primary one or two family dwelling plan reviewer. And that is the training that, <clears throat> that has been handed down. It has been my, uh, my policy as fire marshal that that is the way that it will be done. And, you know, we want to be consistent in our mm -hmm. application of these, of these rules. It is for, it is not hand. Okay. I mean, can you just give a real rough estimate how many times this issue has come up for, you know, the time you've been with the city? <clears throat> More than 10 or 20 or, you know. <clears throat> you know, I'm not, I'm just not that close to it. Uh, this yeah. is a fairly, you know, these, these exceptions, we do like three or four of them a year hmm. um, where one or the other is a, is an issue you know, because the, the policy requires that they're recorded uh -huh. um, you know a few of them come by each year but um i think in a lot of cases hmm. the you know the projects don't go forward or i don't know i i mean i if, if you send me with homework i can give you some background but it, these aren't there aren't a ton of these yeah, I, mean, yeah. I imagine Christopher knows uh, better than I do. He did public records requests on on a year of our work. So, uh -huh. right. I don't know how many there are. Okay, and um, so and from what I gather from your testimony, your opinion, if it's both, you know, if you if you have both a fire flow problem and a fire access problem, that's far more uh, risky, dangerous to the occupants and the and the uh, the first responders than it is um, if it's one or the other. Is that correct? Right. So if built new, these, this house would require fire sprinklers. They would be required. And the code says that if built new, and if any addition would require fire sprinklers if required, you know, if they're essentially existing non-performing. Um, it is an increased risk. Having fire flow is increased risk and having fire access deficiency is an increased risk. Um, one is acceptable, was acceptable to policymakers, and I'm willing to accept that. It is very expensive. I will acknowledge it's very expensive to retroactively install fire sprinklers in one in a single family block. Um, but I have to balance the risk to the occupants, to the community, for the local fire spread risk and to the firefighters. And uh, one or the other uh, has been handed down, to, you know, from the city council, but not both. Okay. And, you know, if I had my choice, I wouldn't allow either. But, yeah. Okay. And uh, Mr. Communal's appeal, he asserts that the, uh, um, the, the, the area, the, the portion of the road that has the, the, the greater than, I think it was 15% grade is, is relatively short. And so that, that shouldn't be a problem in your opinion as a firefighter. I mean, uh, is that distance of really a problem or not? It is. I, you know, I've been fire, from fire operations more than 20 years and uh, I, I drove fire engines. I was an officer on fire engines uh, in snow. It, that's one of the, I mean, it's over 10%. It is, it's over 10% by a lot. Um, and it is one of the steepest roads in 
in town. Um, and going up that road, even with chains, is is a challenge for for fire apparatus. Okay. And snow. Okay. And we get snow. Right, right. And I guess, yeah, because you are testifying as a little bit of an expert. I think you just mentioned you've been a firefighter for decades or something. I mean, can you give us a brief overview of your experience? Uh, hired in 1992, uh, went through the academy and uh, was a driver operator until 1997. I was promoted lieutenant, uh, worked for a dozen years on uh, engine company 22, which is uh, one primarily serves that, uh, that parcel. Um, then, uh, was, ran the EMS division for Kirkland Fire for a while, uh, four years. Was a ladder captain out in Totem Lake, uh, and supervised the ladder, including technical rescue responsibilities, uh, and, uh, the elevated toe stream requirements, uh, that are supplied by the ladder. Uh, in 2016, I was promoted to fire marshal, uh, role I've held since then, um, I uh, am certified fire marshal, and um, and you know I take uh, I take pride in, in protecting the, the community and uh, and the firefighters. It's, that's what I do here. Oh, great! Thank you, sir. All right, Mr. Kalmyal, did you have any additional questions of uh, Mr. Young? Uh, I don't know at this time. Okay. All right, Mr. Young, did you have any other testimony you wanted to provide? Any other witnesses or evidence? I do not. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Let's move on, Mr. Communal. Now is your turn. Let me swear you in real quick. Just raise your right hand. You swear firm, tell the truth, nothing but the truth in this proceeding? I do. Okay, great. Yeah. And you can provide testimony yourself as well as any witnesses you have for today. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do the, I'm going to go old school here. I'm going to pull up the PowerPoint here. Okay. And uh, I'm going to go through this and um, hopefully try to adjust address each of these uh, points against against the property. Um, so I, I wanted to start with just a little bit about about us, um, about about my family. We're Kirkland residents for 20 years, uh, almost 20 years now. Um, we've been in our current home for eight. And I don't know if you can tell by the pictures of the kids there, but our oldest is seven, seven years old. So when we moved into the house, uh, my wife was pregnant with our first. So you can imagine that life's changed a little bit in the last uh, seven and a half, eight years. Um, and obviously we're, what we're doing or what we're looking to do and uh, have already started is making a, a modest expansion to an upstairs attic space, about 450 square feet to add a couple bedrooms and a bathroom to, uh, to fit our, our growing family's needs. So um, Important to note, since since Chief Young did mention cost, uh, we are a, a single income family. Um, my wife, uh, who's who's on the line here in Seattle, hope the kids are okay. Um, she did retire from uh, an H her HR job uh, eight years ago in order to take a much more important job of raising our three kids. Um, great news on that is that she's recently gotten back into the world workforce a little bit. She's now uh, part-time at a great company, great organization called Little Bit Therapeutic, Therapeutic Writing Center, uh, fantastic organization in the community. But um, we are not Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, two-income families, and the cost for retrofitting a house is somewhere in the area of forty dollars to $50,000. Um, that's an extraordinary cost. So uh, 
I think let's get into let's get into our rebuttal, I guess, with uh, with the um, points that have been brought up. So I think that we've already we've talked about the the uh, exception code. This is our primary argument. And uh, you can see, obviously, in, in bold here, it's up to 500 square feet. Our addition is about 450 mm -hmm. square feet. And this, uh, the word that's in question here is inadequate fire flow or fire department access. We believe there are two, two interpretations of that, if not specified otherwise. So you can either uh, read that as an exclusive or. One can be true or the other, but not both. Or you can read it as an inclusive or. One could be true or the other or both. Um, we think that there's, we think without the code specifying otherwise, it's reasonable to interpret it either way. Mm. And uh, as Chief Young alluded to, a public records request has indicated multiple instances, recent instances where uh, the code has been interpreted as an in inclusive or. So uh, we believe very strongly that the inconsistency in how it's been applied is discriminatory against our particular applica application. So a couple a couple of examples. We won't spend a lot of time on these, but um, this is what the public records request did did pull up, uh, and what was just immediately noticeable. I should say there might there there are probably more in that in that uh, document. I can I can't submit that if you guys would prefer that. But uh, these are the two properties. Um, this one you can see issued very recently. In March of 2023, you can kind of get your bearings here. This is Finn Hill area. And I wanted to take the exact text from the fire department. Um, you can see that they did grant the one-time exception access. They did mark as inadequate. I don't know what, I'm sure there's some steep areas of Finn Hill as well. Uh, fire flows as a thousand gallons per minute. I think that the, the standard is somewhere around 1500. So they're about two thirds. Uh, so fire flow and access issues, one-time exception was granted in this case. Second opinion or second second example. This is actually much closer to our property. Get your bearings here. This is kind of South Rose Hill Bridal Trails area. Um, I forget what street this is. 68th Street or uh, the street with the uh, transfer station, Deep Street as well. Um, you can see this actually three issues. I, I don't know. Chief Chief Young will probably know whether, I, I, to my knowledge, I think size does not automatically require sprinklers, but over 5,000 square feet, which on a new construction would absolutely trigger, trigger uh, sprinklers out of the gate. Uh, flow and access is noted as well. They're about half, I think more than half, uh, less than half the fire flow needed. Access is marked as inadequate. Again, a similar road, mountain or uh, tree tree filled road uh, i don't ex know exactly the the uh, documents don't specify what about the access is inadequate but uh, as you can see a one time exception was granted in this case as well and finally you know i'm not a lawyer uh, we did we did uh, we did consult with a lawyer and they agreed with our interpretation of that uh, inclusive or and believe very strongly that there is legal precedent for it. I'm not going to read this. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to, I don't have a judgment on this other than to say, I, I think that there is legal precedent for interpreting that or without it specifying uh, otherwise in the code as an inclusive or. And I think that it has been uh, argued that way in the past. 
So that's that is our that's that's our argument for uh, as far as the exception texts and the the definition of the word or. I think that the two examples, I mean, uh, Chief Mark did allude that maybe a mistake was made. Um, I don't have any comment on that. I mean, I, I think that the line between uh, uh, potentially making an error on judgment versus discrimination is probably pretty thin. Um, so uh, I, I don't have any comment on that other than I think that it's, I think it's reasonable to interpret uh, the code as an inclusive, inclusive or given those two examples. So moving on to fire access uh, as the other, we, we also strongly believe that Northeast 73rd Street is a fire accessible road. Um, it is a public street as Chief Young uh, alluded to, getting your bearings here. This is kind of right in the middle of South Rose Hill. Uh, we're about one point eight miles from fire station 26 we're 0 0.7 miles from fire station 22 um there are marked no parking signs i guess i don't know maybe that's different from fire lane but there's marked no parking signs at the far end of the street for at least probably a couple hundred feet and uh so we, we definitely believe that this is uh, a fire accessible road so breaking down similar to what Chief Young did, we kind of took each of those arguments and we wanted to kind of illustrate what our thoughts were. The first argument, which I, I think is, the first argument I guess I'll, I'll just speak to is the street width. Uh, I didn't, I also went out with a with the tape measure. Uh, I didn't measure a single, I took multiple uh, measurements at different areas. Uh, I can certainly pull those other areas up as well. I didn't want to attach them all. I thought that would be unnecessary, but um, I was not able to find a single area of the road that measured less than 20, 20 feet. So a couple of interesting things to see here. Uh, one, um, here is the note, here is the fire, fire lane or no parking sign. Um, there's also one over here. You'll see a better one in the next picture. What I did with, uh, with my kids here is I have my youngest standing on the 20 foot line. So the bulk of the road is about 22 feet. There are sections that are a little bit wider and there are sections that are just a little bit shorter, but uh, I was not able to find a single section that measured less than 20 feet. And again, the end of the street is fire lane. Turnaround, I think it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's it's really frustrating to, to see, um, an analysis of 76 feet. Uh, you can see the measure tape measure here. This is the 90 foot line right here. Um, I don't know exactly how you designate that as private or public. I know that this driveway, uh, it serves two houses. So I would think that that would be some kind of easement um, and not purely a private, private drive. Uh, but in any case, the 76 foot measurement is based on an imaginary line on a map. And there's clearly far more than uh, 76 feet. There's more than 90 feet. This is the 90 foot line that that driveway goes obviously all the way back to those two houses. Um, so we think that this is a this is a turnaround. Uh, there's also, I mean, I guess the panorama shots don't really come out, don't really look great when you put them in a in a PowerPoint. But uh, this is a this is a fire lane or a, a no 
parking sign for this section of road. Um, what would I say? I mean, there's been, there actually has been fires on our street and we've seen fire trucks uh, navigate the grade and the width and the turnaround just fine. We've seen uh, multiple instances where fire trucks have turned around here. So um, the code says 90 feet. We certainly have 90 feet. Uh, I, I, there's a there's a turnaround at the end of our street, so it's it's frustrating to to hear the fire department say that that's not applicable. Grade. Uh, this is this is a picture from this is our driveway right here, looking down at the street. Um, yeah, as Chief Young alluded to, there's a small section of the street that is that's over the 10% grade. Uh, our house in particular is not on that steep area of the street. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say about that. I think it's a small, I don't think it warrants the um, extraordinary cost of fire sprinklers. So I did wanna mention one thing about fire flow. Uh, as Chief Young said, you know, we're not disputing the fire flow uh, issues. I think we're somewhere between six and 700 uh, gallons per minute. Um, important to note that there is a capital improvement project slated for this year uh, to replace the water main on our street. $3.1 million improvement project. Uh, the interesting thing about this and, and somewhat frustrating thing about this, we've had multiple conversations with the city of Kirkland utilities folks and the, the net uh, output of those discussions is they don't think they're gonna affect the fire flow, even though they're replacing the water main, they think there may be modest improvements in, in fire flow, but probably not enough to get us to, to, uh, to um, acceptable levels from a fire department perspective. What's frustrating about that is that when asking the fire, when asking the utilities folks, uh, city of Kirkland folks, why they would not add that to the scope, there's 30, I think Chief, Chief Young mentioned 30 parts parcels on our street, all of those parcels have inadequate fire flow. And so it seems like if you are remodeling the water main, that's a perfect opportunity to improve the safety of the water mains and the fire, the, the, the pressure on our street. Uh, I believe the technology does exist. The common answer I got when they discussed why that would not be changing, why they would not be adding that to scope was cost. So it seems like for the city of Kirkland, cost does come into uh, come into question when deciding whether or not to improve safety for the houses and the citizens on that street. So to say that, so, so I'll, I'll leave that there. I'll also say we've spent multiple hours in the city of Kirkland annex building. And I pulled this from a 2016 document co-authored by uh, Chief Young um, that city of Kirkland annex building was completely renovated in 2009, 2010, 2011. And I just, it was very ironic to be sitting in that annex building, uh, more than 5,000 square foot building and look around and see no fire sprinklers, uh, even though it was remodeled in the 2010 area. And I don't know exactly what the fire code was in 2010, but I just seeing this, uh, from, uh, Chief Young's document suggested that maybe uh, 5,000 square foot would require a retrofit. And so I would I would guess that costs, perhaps the technology existed for fire sprinklers back then. 
uh, I would guess that costs played a role in the reason why fire sprinklers aren't in that annex building. So just summarizing, uh, again, I, I think, you know, it's really frustrating as a homeowner and citizen uh, to see this kind of an unequal application of the policy. Uh, I, I believe it's discriminatory. I, I just think it's also wrong. Like, I don't think that's fair that uh, two houses, they have the and issues, they have multiple issues, access and flow issues. They were granted the exception. We're asking for the exception uh, and we're, we're being told that we don't qualify for the exception. Um, so I don't think that that makes sense. Uh, beyond that, I don't think anyone can logically look at Northeast 73rd Street and say that this is not a fire access road. Um, I, I think that the, the uh, comments by Chief Young are greatly exaggerated. Um, again, I've, we've seen fire trucks on the road. We've seen fire trucks turn around at the end of the road. Um, so to say it's not a fire access road, I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an accurate statement. Mm -hmm. And then finally, and maybe I'll spend a little bit of time on this, you know, I, no one's going to argue that fire sprinklers aren't, don't increase the safety. Uh, no one's going to argue that. I'm not arguing that. My family's not arguing that. Uh, I think what it comes down to for us is there's a cost benefit analysis that needs to be had here. And it seems like the city of Kirkland, city of Kirkland does that cost benefit analysis when they think about replacing water mains, when they think about retro, or when they think about remodeling the city of Kirkland annex building. Uh, cost seems to play a role in the decisions that they make. Um, I don't think that the incremental benefit gained from sprinklers justifies the extraordinary cost of forty to fifty additional thousand dollars. So. I did. I did look some. I did some research here. It was actually find it hard to find this this data of just uh, what's the likelihood of of surviving a fire, a house fire. And uh, what was this? A government website actually pointed me to this data. And so I, I just want to read a little bit of this out. So you're actually highly likely to survive a fire, ninety eight point eight seven, if you have zero suppression, meaning no fire alarm, no smoke detector, or no sprinklers, 98.87. I understand, I totally get at scale, that's, a, that's still a significant number. Adding something very simple like a smoke detector increases your chances of survival by, by 50%. 50%, that's a significant increase. From a percentage wise, that takes you from 98.87% chance of survival to 99.45. So, that's a 50% chance of 50% increase in likelihood of survival. By adding sprinklers, you go from 50% to 80%. So that would take you to 99.77% chance of survival. I'm not arguing about the benefit. Without a doubt, our house would be safer with sprinklers, but considering the cost, you've got smoke alarms, which you can probably, which you can have in a house, which obviously will be in our house for $25 per, per alarm. Every room in our upstairs area will have escape ladders. You can buy fire suppression equipment like extinguishers for, for extremely cheap. Does a $50,000 or $40,000 expense of sprinklers justify the increase in safety? That's the point that we're trying to make here. And I, I just want to close with this. You know, this was a this was a document uh, co co-authored by Chief Young in 2016. 
And uh, in that document, he was advocating for, uh, I think for, if I, I, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he was advocating for stricter uh, fire sprinkler code uh, adjustments. And one of the arguments he made was the low cost. So note this, $1.50 per square foot, which puts a 3,500 square foot uh, house at about $5,200. What is really frustrating about this is, and, and I've looked up this kind of, these kinds of statistics as well. These statistics are based on new construction. And nowhere in that document does Chief Young ever talk about the cost to retrofit, retrofit an existing structure, which is extraordinarily more expensive. So uh, again, I think maybe concluding this, you know, the argument that we're making here is uh, we're not arguing the benefit of sprinklers. Uh, we believe that the fire code, again, allows for the exception uh, based on that interpretation of the, of the word or and the uh, the history of exceptions granted in that in that scenario, uh, we believe that the fire access policy. We believe that Northeast Seventy Third Street does um, support that is a fire access road. And again, we just we don't think that the uh, cost justifies the benefit. Okay, so that's communal. Mr. Young, did you have any questions of Mr. Communal? I just have a couple uh, because it's a uh, point of interest. When you did your public records request, how many uh, did you look at uh, single family additions? Is that, uh, is that the criteria you, you used? Uh, I don't have it off offhand. I can, I mean, I can email you all that if you want to enter that in the record and the, re the results. Um, I think it was single family homes, but I, I don't know if that's all that I got back. And can you identify two that you believe that we did incorrectly? Is that right? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think I, I believe it. I, I think that uh, according to the policy, if, if you are interpreting it as an exclusive or uh, you're the only, the statements made by the fire department assessor that that wrote the document evaluated it incorrectly. Okay, and but you don't know how many out of those two, how many of those we reviewed uh, correctly, or how many we reviewed. You know, well, let's assume that two of them are incorrect, all the rest are correct, but we don't know what the overall body number is that you looked at. Uh, I actually don't, I don't know. So this is what's, what's interesting about the data is that um, these were the two most obvious ones because I, I think they were both reviewed by, I think it was Mr. Anderson. Um, and he was pretty consistent in the formatting of how he, how he structured that. Uh, there is a lot of exceptions that were granted where only one issue existed. Um, so obviously they, they would also get an exception. There was a lot of items in that public records request where it was unclear, uh, where it didn't actually state whether there was an access issue or, or what the flow was. And unfortunately, um, the fire flow is not accessible to the public, so it's hard to it's hard for a, a citizen to to review each one. 
And um, are you familiar with the definition of floor area gross or gross floor area as it's defined in 2133? I am, yeah. Is that the method you use to determine square footage on these properties? On on our edition or on the uh, on what on the ones that you uh, re-reviewed on our behalf or not on behalf in 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 your investigation? I didn't I didn't review square footage. That's uh, the, that square footage is provided by the whoever. That's the exact text of the fire department assessment. Okay. Do you know what the residential fire flow standard is uh, for public works for example for planning purposes do you know what they're planning what their intended fire flow in residential areas is i don't okay uh, mr Obert, I'd, I'd be testifying if i told them right um, yeah, you, you get a chance to present that when you're done, when we're done with his okay. evidence. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that later. Okay, I then I don't have any. If I have an additional opportunity to provide rebuttal testimony, my okay. office will save it for that. Okay, all right, Mr. Comin, I'll just. Uh, it's not clear in my mind. So, in terms of uh, the response to your public records request, did you see any denials based on the fact that the, that uh, uh, they had circumstances where they, they had both fire flow and access issues at the same time? You know, I was actually just thinking about that in Chief Young's. Uh, when he was when he was speaking, I I didn't actually see any denials, but I but I honestly, to be fair and totally honest, I don't know if they included that in the public records response either. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, so, but I, to, from what I remember seeing, I I think mine was the only one that just said fire sprinklers required, and that was it. Okay. okay. But I, again, I can and I can submit that uh, if you guys if you guys want to see the the response okay. or the response. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, at least, yeah, the, the response and the wording would be nice. Yeah, if you could email that and we'll put that in the record. Do you have any problem with that, Mr. Young? No, no. Okay, so we'll admit that in the record if you can email that to Mr. Young later. And then one yeah. other, just a quick question. You, you, you mentioned that uh, the fire apparatus that you've seen it driving up and down your road. Has that ever been in, under snow conditions, though, when, when there's snow on the road? Uh, it was not. I think it was. It was about a year and a half ago, and it was actually our our neighbors directly next to us on that on that ten percent grade section. Okay. Uh, it was a electrical fire. Um, fire truck got here, hooked up, uh, put it out uh, before it before it spread. Okay. Okay. I, sh I should note that house is sprinkled. It's a new construction, and mm -hmm. it is, and the sprinkler did not go off. Okay. Um, and also oh, one more question about the, the record request. I, I, and I might have misheard you. I thought maybe you said that there were multiple exceptions granted when you had both conditions. Did, did, did I hear it correctly or is it, is it just the two that you found? Is that? Yeah. So, well, the two were the most obvious that I found. Uh, 
there were there were a number of exceptions that were granted regardless of your interpretation of or so there were a number of exceptions were granted with clearly with one uh one exception oh, right okay. one one, yeah yeah uh, and then there was a number of records in that request that it was unclear right like it didn't oh. specify uh the flow or the, the access status okay all right gotcha mr young any other questions No, no. Okay. And Mr. Communal, did you have any other evidence or witnesses you wanted to present? I did want to. I did want to ask Mike. I know that uh, I don't know if you have anything to add from a structure perspective um, on the house. Okay. Mr. Tenhusen, let me swear in. Just raise your right hand. You swear firm, tell the truth, nothing but the truth in this proceeding. I do. And you spell your last name as a T E N H I Z E N. Is that correct? I'm not sure why it's coming up that way. Uh, oh. T-E-N-H-U-L-Z-E-N. -E -E okay. All right. Great. Um, so it's pronounced Ten Halsen. Ten Halsen. Um, I'm a general contractor, grew up in the business. Uh, my father started our company in 79. I bought it in 2008. I've been around the east side, uh, primarily Redmond, Kirkland, Bellevue, King County, um, remodeling homes primarily. And the fire sprinkler uh, issue first came up in the city of Redmond is where I first testified against it. Um, and it's not that it, we don't agree with with it. It just becomes such a burden to existing structures in many cases. So we're in favor of some of these exemptions, some of the either or, um, and we've designed our, our additions for existing customers to comply with those restrictions and, and just aware of what those are. Uh, the thing that I find that's a struggle, just kind of as a side note, is that the fire exemption is either allowed or disallowed at the end of the review process. And in many cases, um, builders and, and architects don't understand whether it's going to be allowable or not. And that's, that's what happened in this case. We picked up the, the project after uh, the communals had already engaged in architecture services with another architect that, that we do not know. Uh, that architect submitted the plans on their behalf and then um, left, left the project for, for whatever reason. So we were brought in as a design build firm to reassess uh, a, a permit set that was over 500 square feet that did not meet any of the exceptions um, that came out with a stamp on it for uh, fire suppression requirement and uh, came up with a solution to meet the needs of their growing family for the additional two bedrooms uh, under 500 square feet in anticipation of making making this project move forward for them. Um, so we are a little bit behind the eight ball right off the bat on this project. It's possible that it could have been ascertained with the fire department prior to, you know, but I think the, the logic that Chris and uh, Jessica put together uh, does state a case that, that there isn't a possibility for an exception on this, on this particular uh, build. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Mr. Communal, that was your question. Furthermore, I will state also that uh, in order to retrofit an existing structure, uh, fire flow requirements um, mandate that the existing three quarter inch meter, the water meter to the to the house, um, be upgraded either to a one inch or in some cases inch and a quarter, depending on the fire flow requirements. Uh, an additional backflow device, and then the line itself. Uh, in this case, goes under the driveway. So, cost beyond 
installing the you know cutting out the drywall taking out the insulation drilling holes through the joists and the and the rafters and and uh installing the system putting in the riser all of that kind of stuff putting it back together painting those rooms is is kind of that 40 to 50,000 in this case uh we budgeted higher for that because of removal of the driveway and and extending the pipe and and all of that so it could be as high as you know 60 to 70 which were some of the numbers we were throwing around with uh, Mr. Young in our discussions with the city um, several months ago. Mr. Communal, do you have any other questions of your witness? I don't have any other questions. Thanks. Okay, Mr. Young, any questions? Hey, uh, Mr. Tenholzen, um, so in the, in the upgrade of that meter, would there be a capital facility charge? required for that? I mean, or is it just the cost of the meter? My understanding is that uh, meters all have a value and a three quarter inch meter uh, gets purchased back by the, in many cases, by the city. Uh, and that the cost of the, the new meter would be the difference in the cost between the two. I guess I'll have to address that in uh, rebuttal. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Thank you for your testimony, Mr. Television. Appreciate it. Oh, is there something else you wanted to add? Just also, uh, from the contractor standpoint and, um, some of the discussions that we've had with Mr. Young and, um, in, in the presence of uh, Mr. Kamino, uh, there are different systems that can be applied. Uh, there are the standard hard pipe systems um, and there's also uh, a flow through that uh, Mr. Young suggested that we consider as a lesser cost. We have looked at that. Um, the flow through basically takes your domestic water system and uh, puts it through uh, sprinkler heads with, with PEX piping. So it is a little bit more flexible. Uh, still requires the same amount of drywall cutting, same amount of drilling, all of that kind of stuff. So those costs are hard, but the, the actual piping itself can be a little less expensive. In doing so, it's also possible uh, not to have to upgrade the pipe under the street, but certainly the meter. And we've had um, some option from, from a sprinkler suppression uh, company to put in a, a pump and a tank in the garage which then becomes cumbersome and, and a problem and, and a maintenance issue as well. So there are alternate systems. Um, how, how this one best suits has to do with the calculation of the furthest away head uh, from the meter and what the pressure distribution is at that point. Okay, thank you, sir. All right, uh, Mr. Kamenal, any other evidence testimony you wanna present? Uh, no, you said there will be a closing statements as well, or yeah, and rebuttal evidence too. So, Mr. Young will now present rebuttal evidence, and then you'll have a chance for rebuttal evidence, and then we'll have closing uh, argument as well with uh, Mr. Young doing final closing, and, and, and you'll you'll do it before him. Okay. Great, yeah. thanks. Okay, all right, uh, Mr. Young, any other evidence you want to present? Again, this is just rebuttal evidence, not closing argument. I think you wanted to testify about uh, public work standards or something for. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my list. And, and, and so I, I, I want to point out that the cost of this system is beyond the scope of this hearing. I understand it's expensive, but the question here is whether 
the fire department correctly applied the code. We believe that we did. That the question of or is exclusive. We we believe that. Um, I guess I'm just re retestifying here. So, uh, but I just want to say that this is beyond the cost is beyond the scope. I am sympathetic to the cost, but uh, there is increased risk. Uh, I will say that more than 2,500 people die in fires every year. Almost all of them are in residential settings where people sleep. That because you have a smoke detector, because you have an exit ladder, because you have a uh, portable extinguisher, does not mean that you will be successful. And that fire sprinklers protect the most vulnerable in our society, children, old people, elderly, um, people who are unable to ambulate, to be able to get themselves out without assistance. Um, fire code in, the fire code is looking after all of those people and that you don't see yourself as one of those people at this time or one of those people who will always change the battery in their smoke detector. Um, someone who will be able to climb down a second from a second story window on a, on a fire ladder. Um, that is not where the fire code is. The fire code recognizes that you are exacerbating existing nonconformance in your home and that fire sprinklers are the only mitigation for access or fire flow in a new structure. And, um, and in addition, so if either of those cases is is true in, in a new structure, there that's the only mitigation is fire fire sprinklers. Otherwise, that single family residence is too unsafe to be built in Kirkland. If you want to make an addition, we understand they're more expensive. I mean, this is the policy discussion that happened. It's more expensive. And so we'll recognize that we'll, we'll add some of that, but not, not all of it. Um, in addition, over a hundred firefighters die in the line of duty every year. It's my job to protect them. It's over a hundred. Um, and 79% of uh, firefighter injuries happen in one or two family dwellings. Um, I wanna address the, the remodel of the annex. Um, this is where I work. No one sleeps here. Uh, but that's really irrelevant. When the city remodeled the annex, there were no additional square feet added. This building is no bigger today by the definition of Florida Gross than it was when it was constructed or prior to the remodel. The city applies the standard to itself as it does everyone else in the community. Um, and that's why there's no fire sprinklers in this building. Um, would I like to have fire sprinklers in this building? Yes. Um, but the code doesn't support that. So 
if it had been expanded by one square foot, one fire sprinklers would have been required. That is the standard for all occupancies over 5,000 square feet in Kirkland. If you add one square foot to it, retroactive fire sprinklers are required. To deal with that many times each year in, in um, commercial occupancies. It's something I'm quite familiar with. Um, I want to say about the capital facility charge per meter that we work with public works to reduce the cost. I know cost is outside the scope of this, but to reduce the cost if you are required to upsize your meter for a fire sprinkler system, the capital facility charge, which can be quite expensive, is waived and is calculated based on the plumbing demands of your domestic supply. That is a rule in the state of Kirkland. That is frequently brought up by builders and we correct that as often as we can because we want people to know. It's like you don't have to pay for that bigger meter. Um, you do have to put, you have to buy the meter which I understand costs less than a thousand dollars, and you know, I'm not saying a thousand dollars isn't a lot of money, but it has to be installed. You probably would have to up upgrade the the size of the line from the meter to your house. But the capital facility charge is not is waived by Public Works. Um, residential standard for for fire flow is a thousand gallons a minute. The city has planned for a thousand gallons per minute, knowing that the fire flow requirement for most homes built in Kirkland today is far, far greater than that. 1,500, 1,750, uh, or 2,000 gallons a minute. Those, um, but the city has recognized that to build infrastructure, that supplies 2,000 gallons a minute to residential areas is more expensive than installing fire sprinklers as we go. Um, it, is, it is intentional. Um, most places in Kirkland, we get 2,000 gallons per minute, uh, but there are places like this one where it's on the edge of the pressure zone and essentially you're looking at, at dead end lines and you're replacing six inch AC asbestos concrete main with an eight inch ductile iron main, but you're not interconnecting it, creating a loop system and, and creating a much greater, much greater flow. So, you know, the city's recognized uh, in policy that fire sprinklers are the solution to, or, or are the balance between investing deeply in, in the fire in a water network that provides fire flows over a thousand gallons a minute. In commercial areas, it's different. We we provide considerably more. We plan considerably more in commercial areas because of the size and the complexity of structures. Uh, I think that covers that covers my rebuttal. Okay. Yeah. And this is just a question actually that came up from uh, Mr. Communal's testimony when he was kind of contesting the, the turnaround dimensions. I mean, how did you, how did you know where, 
uh, you know, the line was between the public right of way and the, and the private driveway there? It's an estimate um, based on GIS uh, data and where those lot lines land. Those are, those are unreliable. Um, the end of the fence line, the end of the landscaping um, going there, it's definitely an estimate, but the margin error is 14 feet. Hmm. Um, it's, I believe that my estimate is within the margin of error. Uh, if it's not 90 feet, it doesn't comply. Uh, I think that's part of, you know, what Mr. Cummings point is, is that it's like, well, we're close. And I don't operate my fire prevention division that way. Either you're in compliance or you're not. If it's 89 feet, it doesn't comply. If it's 11%, it doesn't comply. If it's 5,001 square feet, it requires fire sprinklers. We have to draw the line somewhere. So, so when you figured out where the line was, did you base that like on a GIS map and you looked at the landscape features and, or, I mean, or was there like a difference in the pavement or what? I'm just kind of curious how you were able to, to do that out in the field, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's just an estimate. I mean, it's, it's where's, where's the end of the fence? Where's the end okay. of the landscaping? Where's the end of the Okay, I got um, you. You know, where's the end of the pavement coming up the street? Yeah, I know that's a, you know, it's it's just a large enough margin of error that mm -hmm. somewhere that, um, I don't know, I'm pulling up on GIS, if that might be helpful, I don't know. Um, It's rendering now, GIS is very mm -hmm. uh, data. data-driven. I mean, the nice thing is that we, we, you know, we used to go out of the, we used to go out of the office all the time. Um, now we do a lot of this stuff just from the, from the, from the, from our desk. Yeah, yeah it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> Can you see that screen? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is the end of Northeast 73rd. Um, and this this north end is pretty well defined. Um, and then down here, so this is kind of the process that my plan reviewer would start with. Um, let's say that's the beginning. This is the GIS line. And so that's that's 76. The edge of the hard concrete is 83. Uh, the end of that fence is about where the, you know, again in the you know, 77, 78. Okay. Um, the you know the width of whoop, the width of the road is way out here, and we recognize that the street occupies a lot of people's yards. I, mm -hmm. you know, I understand that, but you know, this is where we were at was in in this space. I see. Um, okay. We, okay. We can also go to Google Maps and look at it from Google Maps. You know, that's the process. Okay. okay. All right. Great. Thanks. That 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 clarifies it a lot. Thank you. All right, Mr. Communal. Any questions of Mr. Young?
Yeah, I'm just curious on that, uh, on the 90 foot hammerhead in the text of the code, does it specify it has to be public street? It does not. Uh, it stands to reason that if you don't have control of it, that someone could put a gate there. Um, if somebody came to me today and asked if they could get a permit to put a gate there at the end of that uh, concrete on their property, I'd require them to, you know, show me a survey that says that that gate's located on their property, but then they could put up a hard gate right there. I'd make them put fire department uh, access to it, but um, it's an example of an obstruction to the turnaround um, where I no longer have 76 feet or I no longer have 90 feet. I've got 76. But I, so would you agree that there's 90 feet there with a combination of public and, and whatever, whatever you would call that easement or private property, I'm not sure which, there's 90 feet available to the fire department? Today there is, sure. I just, and, I have to look out in the future and see what's, you know, what'll be there tomorrow or in 10 years. So your, your concern is a gate. Is the, I, I thought I read, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm sure you're much more expert in the code than I am, but uh, I thought I read that there was some kind of fire department standard for installing gates. Is that not, is there not something written in the code around installing gates? There is, but it doesn't have to be a gate. It could be any number. It could be an alteration to this. Um, it could be an alteration to this um, arrangement where there's no longer 90 feet. You know, they could make that their front yard. Um, they could combine those two lots. I don't have control. The city doesn't have control and the applicant, the appellant doesn't have control. The people who have control of that are the, the people who own the property and anyone that they've granted an easement to. The city is not a party to that and neither is the appellant. Okay, but uh, okay, so maybe back to my original question just one more time. So in the code, there is no specification for saying it has to be public roadway in that hammerhead documentation. No, but I believe it's implied. Um, regarding the remodel of the annex, do you think the fact that the annex that did not add square footage, did that change the risk assessment of the annex? I'm not sure I understand your question. Well, like you're saying, you're saying if, if they had added one square foot, they would have been required to add sprinklers, right? Yes. They didn't add a square foot, but they, but it sounds like the city of Kirkland gutted the building and remodeled the building. Is does the is the risk profile of the annex building different because they didn't add square footage? Like I, if they added one square foot, would that change the risk profile of the city of Kirkland annex building than just remodeling the whole building? It changes the application of the code. The code says if you add one square foot, you have to add fire sprinklers. If you don't, you don't. Um, I wasn't involved. I was, I was 
the EMS chief back back then. Um, I I ran the medical services division of Kirkland Fire, not fire prevention. Okay. But if I read the as I read the code, adding square footage is what what tripped that. I don't even know that the building was gutted. I know that you know it was refurbished. That would be a building, a building department question. I don't have any other questions. Okay. All right. Well, now it's uh, your turn, Mr. Tominoff, for any rebuttal evidence you want to provide, and you can combine that with any closing statements you want to make. And then after you're finished, Mr. Young will have a chance to make a closing uh, a statement as well if he wants. Is there anything you want to add at this point? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any other additional evidence. I, I do think, I mean, again, it's just, uh, you know, the specification of the code, it does not specify public or private uh, on the road. And there is clearly more than 90 feet available in that hammerhead. And I mean, I don't know. It just seems like we're really splitting hairs when we're thinking, when we're trying to anticipate uh, unknown things that could happen in the future. Um, I mean, the city of Kirkland could rezone that area if they wanted to, could they not? Like they could probably, there could be any number of things that could change the status of that hammerhead in either direction. Actually, the hammerhead itself, I think is a street. It's not actually a hammerhead. It's a street that is supposed to go northbound from that, uh, from the center of that, uh, of the road. So the future might hold that's that becoming a, an official street as well. So I don't see how it's relevant to say we don't have control over the private property. Um, the the reality is is that there are there's more than 90 feet available today. Uh, some of that might exist on some kind of easement easement that's shared by two properties, but there's more than 90 feet available, much more than 90 feet. Um, so I just I don't think that that's a, an argument that, that argument doesn't compute to me. Um, I don't know, just the, the splitting hairs of the code. Uh, you know, there are other examples. We have neighbors that have have a, I, don't, I guess I don't want to bring that up. I don't think it is relevant to this, but it just, it feels like um, we're not log looking logically at, at the situation here. And that's incredibly frustrating to me. Uh, it's Frustrating to see that the city is able to make their own decision about the water main and about the fire flow on the street uh, as they're going to be remodeling and replacing the water main on that street. Uh, I think you alluded to that. I don't, I don't know the science behind this, but some kind of circular system that does increase, uh, does increase water pressure. We're very lucky on our street that our neighbor is actually a director of public utilities for water and the city of Bellevue. So uh, that discussion is actually not finished yet. Like we're still in conversations with the city. I think that she's now uh, getting involved as well because again, the technology does exist to improve the pressure on that street. And it's just, it's incredible to me that the city can tell me that I have to retrofit a house at great expense when the city can also, while they're doing this work, retrofit the water main at expense as well, but they're too choosing not to probably because of costs. Uh, so that's just incredibly irritating as a as a homeowner and citizen. Um, 
again, I, I think maybe, uh, do you want me to go right into closing arguments yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, now's your chance. Or did you want to do, did you, I don't know if Mark had questions about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a good point. Mr. Young, did you have any uh, questions over um, uh, Mr. Kaminal's testimony? No. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Mr. Kaminal. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I can't express how much I disagree with the application of this code. I think, uh, I think every, anytime you write a code, there's always going to be exceptions. I think that the reason why the city included an exception section for the code was exactly this experience is exactly this scenario uh i don't think the goal of the city is just to displace its citizens and the reality is putting a burden of you know perhaps on a new construction where it's a, a dollar a dollar fifty a square foot maybe that's a reasonable cost but i don't see how it can be reasonable for the city to say to a to a family uh that you need to pay $50,000, you need to pay $40,000 to replace something. When the code, the code itself does specify that there is an exception available. And uh, again, I think legally, I think uh, any interpretation of that, I think you could probably argue either way. Uh, you could argue that it's an inclusive or, you could argue that it's an exclusive or. Uh, and I, I just, I very strongly believe that the reason why the city included that exception, the ability to grant an exception was to not displace families and not displace uh, homeowners. Uh, and I think that the effect of this policy and, and, uh, and reading it to the letter of, you know, reading it in such an extreme manner, I think the effect is it displaces citizens, it displaces families. Uh, and that's, that's incredibly disappointing as, a, as someone who's lived here for 20 years. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I guess I, I'll close with that. I think that, I think the code itself, I think you read the exception text and I think that there is an argument that would permit the exception be granted. I also, again, I very, very strongly disagree with the fire department's assessment of Northeast 73rd street. I think uh, anyone that drives that road, there's actually, there's a fire lane at the end or there's no parking at the end. There's no parking at the turnaround. The turnaround does have 90 feet of access. Um, maybe, I guess, maybe one more point that I'll make in my closing statements. Uh, the initial response from the fire department from our initial permit uh, described the access issue as turnaround alone. And it was only after that the multiple other issues were uh, were presented to us. And perhaps that's like, you know, perhaps Mr. Anderson was kind of shorthanding uh, his assessment, but it kind of feels from a from a citizen's perspective, it feels like we ruffled the wrong feathers when we submitted this and and asked for the appeal. And as a result, we got kind of the full weight of the fire department finding every possible thing that could be wrong with our with our street and uh i again i just i don't think it's right i don't think it's fair and um i'm i'm asking the city to interpret the code as it's written which is if you've got fire flow and or access issues uh inclusive or um, an ex a one-time exception is available and possible and we're asking for that exception so i'll close with that okay thank you mr communal all right, Mr. Young. 
in closing, I would I would just say that the scope of this hearing needs to be confined to the fire department's application of the code. That is the limit of the scope of the of the, of the hearing that we're sensitive to the expense. Uh, the question of four has been evenly applied over my tenure and I believe prior to my tenure, so more than seven years, uh, that I had my staff do a little bit of research while we were here. Uh, we're, we review about 120 building single family additions annually. Uh, in 2022, the last full year that we have data for, uh, we did, we granted 11 exceptions. We believe that all of those exceptions were for either fire access or fire flow, none of them for both, that was our intention. If we did not apply it that way, it was by, by error and not by intention um, that we believe that the interpretation of four is exclusive, allowing one or the other, not both, and with the and that the intent of the policymakers when when the policy was uh, adopted in the Kirkland Municipal Code was that one of those risks was acceptable, but not both. We believe that we've correctly <clears throat> we've correctly evaluated fire department access on Northeast 73rd, uh, both on all three elements, width, turnaround, and grade. Uh, it, the grade is undeniable. Uh, it is prior to, it, it does affect access to the subject property. Um, and it's in its 15%. It's far in excess of the policy limit. Uh, we don't have we don't have control of that turnaround. We don't know what happens. That you know there is a street, there's a public street that goes through there, but it is not developed. And that public street could be abandoned and it could be used for future development in some other way. Um, I don't have control. I can't I can't just say that a vacant lot is a turnaround. Um, and then somebody comes and builds a building on it, and now I don't have a turnaround anymore, and I've granted all these exceptions on, on, on a fire access road. It is out of control of the city. Um, we believe that fire access is inadequate, um, and because fire access is inadequate, nobody disputes the, the inadequacy of the, of the fire flow. Therefore, both are, are deficient and we can't grant the exception. That's why we acted the way that we did. Um, there has been no discrimination. We, we have not piled on. Um, we review. You know, I spent a lot of time hearing from Mr. Cominell and Mrs. Cominell about how terrible I've been. Um, and I don't, I, I've guided them to the uh, to the appropriate uh, the appropriate solution, which is which is here, and um, I hope that I've been helpful. It has been my intention to be helpful, and I am doing my job, which is to protect the community, uh, the occupants of all structures in Kirkland, and the firefighters. That's all I have.
Okay, thank you, Mr. Young. And, and Mr. Kamino, you know, Mr. Young did introduce a little bit of uh, significant new evidence about the number of reviews and exceptions granted. Do you have any questions about that? Uh, specifically about the number of reviews or what? Yeah, or and he, he's, I think he mentioned seven exceptions granted. I, I don't know if you wanted, like I said, it's a, it's a material yeah, I mean, new evidence, so. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, you know, to what extent, I, I guess I'd be curious how many they did not grant, because I think the vast majority of exceptions that are granted, uh, at least from the public records requests that I saw, are, uh, they have single issues. Uh, the two that I saw with both fireflow and access issues, I posted, I put in my, uh, my link or in my, in my testimony. So, um, there may be more again, I, I don't know, uh, because the public records didn't have enough information, but, um, it sounds reasonable that most of the cases in the city of Kirkland would probably have one of the two issues and they should of course get the exception. I think the question here is, uh, it seems like there are instances where there have been both uh, fire flow and access issues and exceptions have been granted. Yeah, and, and so Mr. Young, can you answer that question or? Uh, we agree, we, that the most, the, all of the exceptions we believe would, and that was 2022, um, in 2023 is the one that, uh, Mr. Gamino brought up, we, we disagree with that. We disagree with his uh, fire flow number. It's the number that's in the case, but it's it's not the right number. Um, you know, I'd like to be perfect. We're not. Okay. Um, I think it's the same on one and we disagree on the other. How many, <clears throat> were there any denials there where both conditions were present, you know, inadequate fire flow, inadequate access? Yeah. Is that a question for me? No, that that's for Mr. Young. I, I'm kind of repeating. I think part of what part of your question was. Right. Actually. Yeah. yeah, we we don't specifically track that. Um, we we reviewed uh, 100. And, we granted 11 exceptions. 11 exceptions in 2022. Um, we reviewed from 1122 to 331, 23. So 15 months, 142 single family additions, 11 exceptions were granted in 2022. So we're not totally apples and apples, yeah. um, but essentially <laughs> um, we are granting exceptions for, for one time. So we, we did 11 in 2022. Um, I, think, I think we agree. One of the ones that Mr. Cominell brought up in his testimony, we got wrong. The other one we disagree, the fire flow actually does, does meet. Um, the, the fire flow is not, I and mean, we, we re-reviewed both of these and the fire flow uh, and access and one, one of them's right, one of them's okay. wrong. So okay. we think we got one out of 142 wrong. Okay, great, all right. And I don't know how many exceptions we, had both and we just deny it because they just get denied and they they go down as being as uh as denied okay i think the i think the design community has a pretty good handle on this too and and you know there's not even get presented in some cases it's like well it can't be done okay all right thank you yeah i think uh 
think we've covered this as as uh, much as we possibly can at this point. I, um, um, you know, both parties did a really great job, Mr. Communal. I, I don't think you could have done any better hiring a five hundred dollar an hour lawyer. So you saved yourself a bunch of money there. At least that's a that's a good thing. It's a really um, uh, tough issue. I can't imagine from the you know the homeowner standpoint, they finally get the funds and plans together to build their house, and all of a sudden there's this you know, there's this huge additional charge. That's really tough, but it's also, you know, it's a public safety issue. And that is, um, uh, you know, that, that's the, the courts are pretty strict about imposing those. I, I think as Mr. Young says, it's an issue of application of the law here. I mean, uh, Mr. Communal, you raised some good fiscal policy issues and, and good policy issues in general. But I, I think as you understand, my job is just to figure out what the code requires. And so I'm going to have to go back and, and look at the code really closely. Uh, you know, it's uh, about about the uh, the road access efficiency and, and and how to interpret that or clause and probably look up some case law as well. And I appreciate you. The case law that you gave me, that gives me a good starting point. So um, but it's yeah, it's some tough issues. And, and um, I'm going to look at this really closely and, and issue a very detailed decision. So, you know, exactly where I'm coming from. And we'll get that out in a couple of weeks. But uh, again, I, and I appreciate how both of you dress this very civilly and professionally and, and presented me with the information I need. I look forward to seeing the record request. You're going to submit that, uh, right, Mr. Communal to Mr. Young. Um, and uh, like I said, I'll, I'll get that decision out in a couple. So thank you all for your participation this morning and we're adjourned for today. So have a good day. Thank you.